I am Brooklyn-based psychotherapist Nikita Banks, and I am your host of the Black Therapist Podcast. The Black Therapist Podcast is the podcast where we discuss the unique issues people of color face when dealing with mental health issues and mental health diagnosis. If you would like to reach out to us for feedback or show suggestions, show topics, please feel free to contact us at blacktherapistpodcast at gmail.com. You can listen to new or past episodes on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, YouTube, iHeartRadio, and Google Play. If you are having trouble listening to us on your preferred platform, or if you want us to be on a platform that we're not currently on, make sure that you send us a private message on our Instagram page at Black Therapist Podcast, or you can just drop us a message or send us an email at blacktherapistpodcast.com. If you want insider tips, resources, and access to our free mental health course, make sure that you text Get Happy to 66866. And my new book, Finding Happy, Seven Steps to Relationships That Will Not Steal Your Joy, is available right now on Amazon. You can go to our website or go to our Instagram pages and click the link and purchase because we want to help you get your relationships together for 2018 and beyond. Please be mindful that this episode and all of the information that we provide here is just a resource and a tool to help get you started on your mental health journey. If you are feeling any mental health distress or you are having any significant issues, please feel free to reach out to us so that we can find you a mental health provider in your area. Okay, let's go. Let's get started. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Black Therapist Podcast. So, um, if you listened to last week's episode, I have a little bit of a cold um, I feel like it's a cold now because it was, it's, it's a it's something. <laughs> I thought it was strep throat. I've had issues with my tonsils since childhood. My tonsils are still not a hundred percent. So I should really be saving my voice, but I wanted to just jump on to, uh, say congratulations guys. You made it. You made it through the first of the year in the holiday kickoff season which is thanksgiving right so we we made it through thanksgiving with our families or alone uh, we made it with our friends hopefully and loved ones and uh we've done all the black friday shopping and now it's time to figure out what the hell the rest of our year looks like so for me in my office i'm planning uh, some year in things, some goals setting for next year, some actual uh, life goal setting when it comes to when I say goal setting, I mean, for my business and uh, it's my life as well. So I've been been pretty much planning my first quarter. And like I said, I, I signed a few agreements for 28 for the 2018 the end of I signed some agreements in 2018 that will propel me for some business things that I have going on in 2019 so I'm really excited about all of the opportunities that are coming up around me but that adds to my stress and I don't know where I was going with that except for that it's on my mind and I haven't been to therapy in a while and so yeah, I, I I told you guys before, I still sometimes suffer with imposter syndrome where I feel like some of the good things that happen in my life are, I won't say not earned because I've earned every single thing I've gotten. 
right? I have to work really, really hard. And I've had to overcome a lot of challenges in order to be where I am today. And um, <laughs> that's not where I want to be. Like, this is this is not as far as I want to go. So I know that I have to open myself up to believe that good things will happen to me and that I am deserving of good things or I deserve good things. But it 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 is still a struggle every day. Sometimes I still feel like someone is going to see me as I'm faking. But, you know, like my therapist says, it ain't bullshit if you can back it up. It ain't bullshit if you got receipts. So, um... Now that I've done all the work that I've needed needed to do to get me to this point, it's just like, holy crap. Next year is going to be a huge year for me and my family. And I just got to buckle down and do the work. So it was on my mind. It is on my mind. I'm nervous and excited, but, you know, got to do it anyway. Like, that's my motto for this year. My my motto for 2018 was I'm not firing no warning shots. Like, I'm just I'm just pulling the trigger on whatever's on my mind. I'm emptying the clips like I'm not firing any warning shots in 2018. I'm not warning anybody about their bad behaviors. I'm not I'm not trying to convince anybody of something that they don't feel or they they don't believe I'm not trying to change anybody's mind and or opinion on me or what it is that I'm doing or my worthiness or nothing I'm gonna see stuff for what it is I'm going to make a decision on whether or not I want to engage in it or what's the best plan of attack if I decide to engage in it in a way that promotes my health and my happiness and if it's not gonna work in that situation that it's in whether it's a work situation whether it's a business situation whether it's a romantic situation whether it's a family situation it's a social situation if it ain't working in that particular context I'm moving myself removing myself from it like my only my only new year's resolution that I had in 2018, which is the end of 2018, and I'm still kind of struggling with it a little bit, is letting go. Like, I think I said this before, I'm a, I'm a hoarder. I'm definitely an emotional hoarder. I'm a people collector. Like, I feel so deeply as being an empath that I, when I love you, I love you completely. It doesn't even have to make sense to me. It's just like, this is my love. I'm giving it to you. I hope that you give it back. But if you don't, I know I'll get it from the universe. So I'm going to still give it to you anyway. And operating from that space a lot of time was very draining and emotionally exhausting. And I had to learn to just kind of be like, that's good. But your love is valuable. And it's this is good shit. You might not want to give it out like free lunch. Like, you might want to just hold back. And it's not as if I love a lot, a whole lot of people. I'm super distracted. There's a baby in my hallway. And if you knew what time I was recording this, you'd be concerned as I am. I hate a baby, but I don't hear no adult. I'm a mandated reporter, but not tonight. I hate a grown-up. Okay. <laughs> so, y'all see I'm still in mommy mode. So, anyway, um... So, yeah, like, 
it's made me start to think differently about how I really want to proceed with relationships, especially for 2019. And you know, I got the new relationship book, Finding Happy Seven Steps to Relationships That Will Not Steal Your Joy. I'm really trying to be the doctor that takes his own medicine. And so I probably should have read the book again um, just to kind of see where I am in some of my relationships. But I know, like, for the most part, my relationships are pretty good. I don't really have a lot of stressors in my relationships. And then there there are those that I have to navigate that I just know, you know, it is what it is. In the book, I talk about the three types of relationships there are, which is um, voluntary, involuntary, and situational. And voluntary relationship is like a friend or a boyfriend or something that you could kind of walk away from without any kind of legal attachments. Involuntary relationship is family. Like we just get with the what we <laughs> we just get what we get when it comes to family. And so, um, and situational is like you know. You got your work friend, you got your party friend, you got your friend that serves a purpose and a function in your life that usually you don't use them. I say use, but I don't have any other term to use, but you don't use them in any other way. So someone asked me for my advice on my Instagram. So I figured that I would take the time today to answer the question out loud. Um, for you guys and it's a multi-layered question I think I kind of I answered it very briefly because he caught me on the day I was going to my doctor's appointment she's letting me know that I was good and that I'd be better and that I was okay (laughs) I'm gonna be I'm gonna recover but in that conversation like he asked me a really good question so I wanted to use that use this opportunity to answer it now okay so he asked me if I had any advice for dealing with narcissism or in-laws specifically or narcissism from in-laws and I have I have advice for both um and then I asked him you know, what were the specific challenges that he faces when it comes to his his in-laws? And he says, it's hard to pinpoint. They're just two-faced, if not more faces. Wow. One-on-one, it's fine. But once other people enter the room, you can see their entire aura change. Then they start to talk to me like I'm not shit. And it's so weird. I've resulted in not attending any family functions but it's just too much for someone like me who has the power of discernment and I asked him if the partner sees it and he said no and so he says he ends up looking like the irrational one but at this point I don't care what I look like anymore peace above everything else and um what did I ask I said that's a hard one when they don't see it And then I asked if they had any video evidence, like if they've ever like videotaped or anything. It's 2018. I thought it was a valid question to ask. And sometimes, you know what? I've noticed Dr. Phil, 
like I noticed that when Dr. Phil does like the house stuff, like he often plays it back to them and is like, did you notice that this is what you were doing? This is what you do. And Dr. Phil had that like Dr. Phil house and I think Ayala's done it. I mean, this is not therapy. So, but it's 2018 and we're recording everything else. I just figured I would ask. Um, so I'm not suggesting that you record your in-laws, but I asked if, if he had ever done it. And he said nobody thought about it all the time, but you can't show someone something they don't want to see. And I no longer have my response because I sent videos. Or maybe I do. I do not. And basically, I just told him, you know, that my two relationship principles is health and happiness. So on narcissism, I think I told you guys before that my father has had narcissistic personality disorder. And I'm not sure if I told you why. So my father was 12 years old. He was the apple of my grandmother's eye. She he looks a lot like her. I was going to say he looked more like her than my grandfather, but he doesn't. He just, he, he had a lot of her features, but he was definitely my grandfather's son, um, look wise. And so when she was, when he was 12 years old, she was murdered by her lover in front of him. And I remember him telling me like what he was doing that day and how bad he felt because he couldn't save her now I don't want to get into like the statistics I read several articles on narcissism and I hear from at least one of them that narcissism usually happens and is formulated as a result of a trauma what Okay, let me go back further. So my younger sister was dating this guy and the guy, she would tell me a lot of things about the guy. And I was like, damn, he sounds like daddy. He sounds like daddy. And I know my father probably better than any of my siblings. And because of that, like I could spot a dude that has his characteristics and immediately I'm crossing the street. I'm crossing the street. I'm going up the block. I'm going up the road. Um... Trust me, I'm answering his question, but I'm I'm taking the narcissism part first and then I'll get to the in-law part after that. So um, my sister was telling me about this guy she was dating and my sister's like very intelligent. So she knew that he was narcissistic. But every time she would tell me a story, I'd be like, oh, that's some CT shit. CT stands short. Um, just... It stands for my father's initials. So she doesn't know my dad as well as I know him for whatever reason. Their relationship is what it was. But I would often identify to her that, damn, that's that's something like your father would do. Like, that's not like your dad. Um, I didn't have the verbal language verbal language I didn't have the 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 technical language to say, hey, that's narcissistic behaviors. But at the time I was going to school and I came across an article about guys who are narcissistic and it paralleled situ- it paralleled the situation of the guy she was dating and my dad. And I'll explain that in a second. 
So I found an article as I was studying um, to get my master's. And um, well, while I was in grad school, I, I found an article about the abandonment issues that can lead to narcissism. And part of that was being abandoned by their mother. Like if a, if a child was abandoned by their mother, they were more likely to become narcissistic. And I, I guess the reasons are because you need to self-soothe. You need to be able to trust that your caregiver is actually going to provide for you. And this particular guy that she was dating with, like her, his mother had like a drug habit. And he, he, she didn't raise him and he was in and out of, she was in and out of his life. So it became like part of his emotional makeup to make himself feel like he was better than or build himself up as this extra uber confident being, right? Grandiose idea, idealized sense of self, Right that nothing can knock him down. If my mother left me, didn't break me, then nothing else is going to break me. So he had like an inflated sense of self-worth. And because of it, he would usually do things to cut my sister down. So my dad, as I was like reading this article and reading it to her and like sharing what I've learned, it, it brought me in mind of my, my dad. So I was able to like bring the parallels like, oh, wow, well, this is like daddy. Like daddy was was abandoned by his mother too, not because of a drug habit, but because of death. And, you know, he hates himself because he couldn't save her. He was too little and there was nothing that he could do. So I started thinking about all of these things, but I'm like in school, I'm not thinking about diagnosing my family. I'm not definitely not thinking about diagnosing my, my sister's boyfriend, although... It was a discussion that we were having and she was actively engaged and she was like, yeah, he's probably a narcissist and she dated him anyway. So, um, I put this out of my mind. So it wasn't until after I graduated, I was out of school. I got licensed. I'm at my dad's house, um, for the weekend. I was staying over there and he started bugging out. Like he was like doing like a lot of weird shit around the house. Um, and I didn't know if he was on drugs because my father had a drug habit history, but I thought he was clean. Um, or if he was having a psychological break. And so I'm like, I'm trying to sleep and like me and my dog is over there and we're like chilling, watching TV or whatever. And I'm like doze off to sleep and I wake up and like my father's over me. And I'm like, yo, this, this shit is weird. Like hi what do you what do you what do you want um but he doesn't seem like he's there like I didn't know whether he was sleepwalking or whether he was high like I just I couldn't he was off to me so I called my homeboy and I was like yo this dude is like bugging and his mom had a a drug history at the time so I'm like I don't even know and he worked in recovery so I'm like I don't even know what to do in this moment like I don't know if he's getting high I don't know what's going on but like He's a, he's running around the house. He's not sleeping and he's bugging. So, um, he told me to call the police to have my my dad um sent on like a 
5150, which is like an involuntary commitment, a hold so they can do like a psyche eval. And I was like, I don't know if I want to do that because if he's using drugs, he has every right to be using drugs. This is home. Like, I'm going to leave. I'm going to get myself and my dog and I'm going to get out of here. And he was like, well, at least have the cops escort you out. Like if you're you're fearful. And I wasn't afraid of my dad, but I just felt like he wasn't in his right mind. I could not tell what this thing was. Like I'd never seen him like this before. And I, I didn't have a frame of reference, but immediately I thought it was drugs. But now looking back on it, like he he it might have been something a little bit more psychological but I digress so I see the cops are outside I flag them down they walk me upstairs we go upstairs they they approach my father and he's like completely fine like straight mental status exam knew what date it was knew where he was was confused at why the police was there was confused that with me um police left he went in his room and he went to sleep but now I can't sleep I'm like this he's crazy like well I don't I don't feel comfortable maybe I should just get my stuff and go but I was afraid that he wasn't all there I remember hiding the knives and like hiding hammers and stuff I was like hiding shit everywhere (laughs) so um I'm on the computer and I'm googling and I come across this article And the article is like something about narcissistic personality disorder. And it explains how you can kind of get stuck at the point of your trauma and the trauma being so eventful that it fuses your psyche or it fuses your personality at the time of the trauma And whatever it was that kept you going in the moments of the trauma is who you end up becoming. And so my father has always kind of been like a 12 year old boy to me, like him and my son, when he was my son was little, like it was a lot of like playing games and like it was really cool to have like an adult that's not like an adult because he wasn't really like an adult. Like I would literally if I had to leave my son to watch him, I would have to. See what I said? If I left him to watch my son, I would literally leave my son to watch him. I was a Freudian slip. So I would have to like tell my son, okay, well, here's the cell phone. If you need to call me, this is where I am. Like I was kind of nervous because I knew that my kid would have to be the adult. So we had to stop the babysitting. And... I remember reading that article and like weeping and then going to my doctor for my physical and saying to her, I just found out my dad is a narcissist. And she was like, Nikki, I'm so sorry. And then saying to my therapist, like, what, why didn't you tell me that my father was a narcissist? And he was like, you're licensed. I figured you would have figured this out by now. And I was like literally not diagnosing my family. And then I remember telling my black friends, like, yo, my father is narcissist. And they was like, mm, that's just selfish. That's just, uh, it's just regular. 
And I was like, nah, no, you don't understand. Like there's an actual diagnosis for this. There's a label and a term and a treatment plan for this level of like dysfunction and chaos. And so if you if you've never grown up with a narcissistic parent, if you don't know somebody in your life who's narcissistic. Actually, you you are the child metaphorically of a narcissistic parent because we have this president. This president is batshit crazy textbook narcissist with a bunch of other shit. And I know that people tell you, well, you're not supposed to diagnose the, but I'm not diagnosing the president. I am looking at the things that he displays on a daily basis, behaviors, and I'm looking at the DSM-5. And I'm telling you, he's a malignant narcissist and some other shit. And that's why energy wise, we as a country, we feel very anxious because when you grow up with a with a parent who's a narcissist, you always feel anxious. You always feel anxious and and, and to be the object, the love object of a parent who is narcissist, like I'm the Ivanka of my family. I, it ain't no fun. I can tell you that to be the love object of a narcissistic parent. I don't even I'm. I can't even say that why he picked me makes sense. But if he knew that I wrote a book and I talked about him, he would be happy as hell. Like I when I, when my my article came out in essence, he was like, "Hey, I bought the magazine, but I didn't see you where you talked about me at all." Like, fucking wasn't about you, bruh. Shit wasn't, it, it wasn't about you. All of the things that my dad took pride in, my the fact that my son was smart and he went to one of the best schools in Brooklyn and that I went to NYU. And what are those letters behind your name? Like, all of those things. Like, I used to take pride at him being proud of me until I realized that he was only proud of me because me doing good things glorified him. And if I could do good things, he was good. So he was very into my appearance. He also commented on my sister's appearance. He was very into who I dated and how I dated. He was very into my accomplishments and helping me and weaseling his way into those things. Now I know on on the regular level like those things sound all all sound wonderful and partially it was but i'm gonna tell you somewhere in there is going to be some dysfunctional shit that happens like some somewhere deep some not even deep like on the surface in the middle of it he's gonna have some sort of bad behavioral outburst that's gonna make it all about him So that's what having a narcissistic family member is like. And to get back to the question, if his in-laws actually are narcissistic, bro, it ain't shit you're going to be able to do about that. 
narcissism is one of the hardest personality disorders to treat personality disorders period are hard to treat to be honest with you and narcissism more than anything is hard to treat because usually people who are narcissistic are still able to function in society and be successful for example you're a president and 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 narcissism is a spectrum so I I have a lot of narcissistic tendencies growing up with my father it's just they're not as dysfunctional as him I'm not narcissistic I can never make like I no one can make a DSM-5 case of me being a narcissist But every single one of us human beings, we have narcissistic tendencies, which is selfish tendencies. Some of it is just just bare minimum self-preservation. I'm a black woman in this in this world. So I have to think that I'm good. I have to think that I'm best. I have to even have an inflated sense of self-worth and self-value because society beats me down at every every turn. And makes me feel like I ain't shit. So I have to kind of have an overly inflated sense of oh you ain't no bruh when I show up on the scene but that doesn't mean that I can't shine with other people that doesn't mean that I can't give anybody else the credit that they're due that doesn't mean that I also I have to at all times be the center of of attention I don't need that you gonna see me anyway when I walk in the room whether I'm quiet or not I'm you're going to see me because that's just the type of presence I have. So I don't have to overly sell anything or overly be loud or histrionic or go on with antics in order to be seen when I come into a room. Like it's not necessary. And I, I, I can be in relationship with others in a way that allows them to have their get their needs met and to lead with love and dignity as well. That's not easy to do when you have a narcissistic personality disorder. If this woman has grown up in this family, that means that she's learned to navigate the family. That means that she's learned to socialize in that world in a way that mitigates the emotional impact on their behaviors. And for some of us, that means that she may just flat out ignore it. She may not have the capacity to see it. Or she is not in a place where you can challenge her view of her family system. It's like an ecosystem. When you mess with one one thing. Right. When 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 um, the woolly mammoth dies, it screws up something else. You know what I mean? Like all of these bees are dying. It's messing with something else. Like we, you don't got to be a scientist to know that. But it's literally like remember those Chinese puzzles that used to play the kid little squares with little squares inside of them and it had a little ring you take the ring out and you got to move it to make the, the picture like it's literally like that mastering relationships <clears throat> where you have to 
move one piece of the puzzle to make the puzzle. And it's fragile. And so if you think that you a brand new boyfriend gonna come into a situation or the man that she, she loves, you come into a situation and fix her family stuff. Nah, you can't fight family. So the thing that you have to do is you have to ask her when she is the subject and the victim of their bad behavior. You have to ask her, are you happy with the way things are? Like you got to get the person to the point where they realize that this is not, this is not working and I'm not happy. I'm not, I'm not happy because you can't isolate people from their family. You can't fight family. You cannot fight family. No way, shape, form, or fashion. You can't. You can't find. You can't fight your family genetics. You can't fight your family psychology. You can't fight your family history. You can't fight with them. You ain't gonna be able to fight to change them. Family systems are as they are because. They are impacted by intergenerational information. I know these are not words that we use when we talk like this. Navigate family systems and like I'm just saying I'm like, I got to use the technical terms because we don't even know that we're doing this when we're doing this. My mother. There's just things I know that I'm not going to approach with her. There's just things I know I'm not going to change her mind on. There there are a lot of things I will say, whether I change her mind or not. I will let her know when she's not meeting my needs. I will let her know when she's hurting my feelings. I will let her know when I have a difference of opinion. But there's certain certain, certain lines I don't cross with her. I don't curse with, with her when I speak to her because she doesn't curse. I try to be respectful of, you know, some of the boundaries that she's put in place. But I'm not no kid. I'm going to say whatever I want to say, however I want to say it. But I know that some things that I'm going to say are going to fall on deaf ears. So do I really want to say it? Because the truth of the matter is this, when we we deal with our families. Our family has every single right to be who they are. Whether they are nasty, whether they are mean, whether they are drug addicts, whether they are whores, whether they are flawed, whether they have personality disorders or flaws or steal or lie or murderers or cheaters or molesters. Yes, even those they have every right to be who they are and make whatever choices and decisions that they want to make. Your only job is to decide if that stuff is anything you want to have in your your life. If that shit is anything that you can put up with. And if the answer to that is hell nah, you got to find a way to disengage and, and, and remove yourself from the situation. And I talk about all of this in the book. There work, there's a workbook, so there are questions so you can read it and etc and you could figure out some of these things on your own you could take the course and work directly with me you could become a client call my office that's on y'all but 
you know, relationships, especially with family, involuntary relationships, they are the hardest to navigate. Because family has this idea that you're going to be there no matter what. No matter if you honor me, no matter if you meet my needs, no matter if you treat me right, no matter if you talk shit about me or talk about me behind my back or stab me in my back or steal from me. I'm just supposed to be there no matter what. And my idea of family is family is supposed to be my safe haven. It's supposed to be where I run to from all of the people in the world who are trying to do all of those bad things to me. My family is the place that I go, should be the place that I go to. I don't have that kind of family yet, but I'm working on it. I have those kind of friends. I know I trust them with anything. I know they they won't betray my, my trust. They won't betray my confidence. I don't have to worry about them doing me dirty or robbing me. I can't say the same about some of my family members. I can't say the same. I can't say that if money was involved, they wouldn't do something bad to me. I'm not saying they're going to try to kill me or whatever, but I'm just saying like, I don't, I don't trust them and I ain't paranoid. It's just that when you see how certain people move, You got to see how certain people move and you got to move like you move when you see them moving like they move. What the kids say, matching energy. Now, I'm not matching your energy. I'm repelling your energy. I'm getting it the fuck out of here. I don't want nothing to do with that. Because life is too short. And you harbor resentment, you harbor feelings, whatever. I don't do any of that. So... My advice, if you have a in-law who is narcissistic and you cannot get your your loved one to figure that out or to, to find out the best way to navigate that or see what's going on with that, you have to decide on whether having this relationship, and I don't mean the romantic relationship, but having the relationship with the family is conducive to the two relationship principles that I have set for you. Yes, I'm setting your relationship principles, but the two relationship principles that I've set for myself, which is health and happiness. And if this doesn't promote my happiness and this does not promote my health, I can't do it. You ain't going to change your lady's mind about her family. And she probably ain't going to change her behavior on how she deals with her family. Because it's learned behaviors. Nobody could come in and tell me anything about my family. Not about my mama. Not about my sister. Not about my brothers. Nobody. Nobody could come in and tell me anything about my family. Even if it's true. I may listen to you. And I know better. But even if it's true. You may not be able to tell me nothing about my family that I haven't acknowledged. And you can't tell me nothing about how I deal with my family. Not a one thing. You can't tell me speak to somebody I don't want to speak to. You can't tell me not to speak to somebody I, I, I love. You can't tell me nothing about anybody in my family. Any loved one that I have. I extend that to my friends. You can't tell me nothing. Even if what you're telling me is right. I ain't here for it. 
And that's me, and I'm open-minded. I'm open-minded. But you can't tell me how to navigate my relationship that I've had my entire life. You can't tell me how to change that. You can't tell me anything about that. It's hard as hell. But what you can do is set limits for yourself. What you can do is decide what you will and won't engage in. And and you don't got to use big, big language. Your mother's not nice to me. Your mother doesn't speak kind of me. Your father treats me badly. Your father doesn't respect me. Like, it don't have to be nothing major. Oh, your mother said this and da da da. But that, nah. Mm-mm. Your mother isn't nice to me. It hurts my feelings when your mother does. And concrete statements don't don't talk about I I really don't really like the feelings thing. When I say the feelings thing, when people bring up in arguments like, oh, I well, I feel that da da da. I feel that you felt. Don't tell me what I felt by telling me what you felt. Let me know how your needs aren't being met. Your mother was disrespectful to me. You know, I felt disrespected when your mother said X, Y, and Z. Like simple thing, the the least words you use, the more people understand. And sometimes you got to repeat it. A major disagreement that I had with my older sister, where we didn't speak for a number of years. She kept trying to tell me you other people said, what other people said, what other people said. And I said, well, you didn't call your sister. Yeah, because I heard from so-and-so and so-and-so. And I'm like, yeah, but you didn't call your sister. Like, my main problem with you is you didn't, you never came to me. Like, she couldn't argue against that because that was an actual factual that in all of the years that she had been letting these disagreements go on because she said this and he said that and da-da-da. Nobody didn't call my phone. You never called my phone at one time. You didn't call my phone. Did you call my phone? You came to my house? You 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 rolled up on me? Cause you didn't call you never called me. Yeah, but I heard so much so but you didn't call me. <laughs> like it ended the conversation. Cause no, you didn't call me. I didn't hear from you. I saw you last summer, you didn't ask, you didn't say anything to me. Did you say anything to me? Oh, you didn't say anything to me. Okay. Like sometimes you gotta you gotta use concrete statements right I'm not messing with you because you slept with my man oh but I didn't know he was your man but did you sleep with my man though like ain't nobody sleep with nobody's man but I'm just using that as an example like either you did or you didn't the truth is what it is and speaking of that love and hip hop I'm sorry Paris and K. Michelle you see how I divert like I don't understand what the argument is about that whole situation because she did steal $50, $5.50. You stole it. Taking without permission is stealing, it's theft. Right? I, I don't understand what language I speak that's different than what language she speaks. And she keeps trying to justify the fact that she stole. I don't care why you stole. Did you steal? Did you take without asking? 
Did you take without permission? Oh, but I thought I didn't ask you to think. Don't think. Thinking is what got you here. We're not talking about what you think. It's either you did it or you didn't. Like arguments is I don't know. I don't really argue with people a lot because I break it down to the nitty and the gritty. Did you do? Yes or no? Did it happen or no? Like that's that's how I deal with an argument. Because if you start talking about feelings, what I felt and you felt like a person does whatever they do to you because they feel justified. So if they did it, you don't got to ask no extra questions. They already did it because they were justified in doing it. They felt like doing it. They felt like they had a right to do it. They felt like they ain't care about you when they did it. So why are you asking all these extra questions? Well, what was you thinking when you did? Well, you wasn't thinking about I mean, they did it already. Like, I made a mistake at work a a while ago. And I admitted to it immediately because I was like, oh, oh, that? Oh, yeah, I did that. I did that. Yeah, you're right. I did that. Um, You going to suspend me or no? Like, what's the consequence? You tell me what the consequence is because I did it. Like, I'm not going to argue about something that I did do. I did it. I did it. Now, tell me, tell me what my consequences is. Because I'm old enough now to understand that if you do something, you can't pick the consequences. You just get whatever the hell gets. You get whatever judgment the judge sends down. Whatever sentence he sends down, you got to sit in that box. Like, that is what it is. You cheat on your wife. She decides that she's going to divorce you and take half. You don't get to, you don't get to say, oh, it's not fair. Uh, you chose your, you chose the action. You don't get to choose your consequence. Never, ever, ever, ever. Never. You leave that to whoever you wronged to give you that. So, that's just my, my, I don't know how I got off on that. I'm talking about love and hip-hop and consequences and suspensions at work. That suspension was nothing. I did make a mistake. But I'm too old at this point to be arguing against semantics. Well, I didn't know, but somebody told me and in the training. and Listen, oh, that? Yeah, I did it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I did. I did do it. Can you tell me how you're going to punish me? A- am I going to get punished? I'm going I'm to accept my punishment. Because it is what it is. And I wasn't stressed out about it. I wasn't upset about it. I wasn't like, shit, my bills were still getting paid. I, not, I'm not going to say I didn't care. I just shifted that energy to do some other things that could have taken my attention. And I, of course, I've. I run my own private practice, but I, I work for a company. It's a Fortune 500 company. It's a huge company. And I made an error. And, you know, not following protocol because I didn't know that that was protocol. But stuff happens. And when it came to my attention, I admitted it immediately. That, yes, I did. Mm, now what? Like, sometimes you got to just, like, take it on the chin when you do wrong to people. Or when you do wrong in life, period. But I felt like if I... I don't know. I didn't have no strategy. It wasn't no strategy. And then I was just like, do what you're going to do. Like, what's the worst you could do to me? Fire me? Yeah, I'll take that. 
So I didn't have a fear of any of the consequences of it, but I also didn't do it on purpose. I just didn't have the information that I needed to (coughs) complete the task without making any mistakes. But I ain't making no errors no more. She's paying attention now because I'm about to get a I'm getting a raise. So I'm not. But, you know, it, it, it be like that sometimes. Like you really have to to think in terms of removing your emotions from the situation. So I hope this helps. I hope this answered the question. If, if any of you guys have any questions that you want me to answer, you can hit me up or DM me in my on my Instagram page. DM me in my inbox at Miss M-S-N-I-K-I Banks on Instagram or at Black Therapist Podcast on Instagram. And I hope this helps you guys. If any of you guys are out there struggling with a parent who has narcissistic personality disorder, my condolences. I'm still finding messes that my father left for me. Um, And I, I talk about him in the first person still because I ain't over it. I swear, swear he's still alive, um, haunting me, bothering me, because I just can't see. He's such, he, such a narcissist. Like, I can't even see him dying and leaving me in peace for the rest of my life without, <laughs> without him getting on my nerves, I swear. That's just how haunting it can be when you have a parent who has narcissism but um, or suffers from narcissistic personality disorder, but that's what it is. So if you have the desire to fix the broken relationships you have in your life, but not the tools, that is what the new book, Finding Happy, Seven Steps to Relationships That Will Not Steal Your Joy is for. And that is why I decided to do our relationship course to help you guys navigate your problematic relationships. This is unlike any other relationship book out there. It's probably unlike any other um, course that you have out there. It is POC friendly, designed for us by us, and taking our cultural nuances into account. And so, if you are looking to bring more love into your life with your families, your friends, and even in at work in your work environment, a lot of us spend more time at work than we do in our homes, right? And so, if you want to radiate light everywhere you go, then you might want to either buy the book "Finding Happy: Seven Steps to Relationships That Will Not." steal your joy and it is available right now on amazon which is great by itself or by the course which is also called finding happy seven steps to relationships that will not steal your joy and you can get information to join the course and a coupon code on my website nikita n-i-k-i-t-a banks.com okay and i look i look forward to supporting you in all of your mental health endeavors because You know, my goal here is always to promote things that promote health and happiness. And so if you want relationships based on those two principles, health and happiness, this book, this course is for you. To everyone else, thank you for listening. Be well. Thank you guys for listening to another episode of Black Therapist Podcast. Once again, you can follow us on all our social media sites at Black Therapist Podcast on Instagram and on Twitter, as well as Black in Therapy on Facebook. Or you can follow your host, me, Miss M-S-N-I-K-I, thanks, on Instagram and Twitter, as well as you can find out any information about me at Nikita, N-I-K-I-T-A, 
jbanks.com and on the show's website, blacktherapistpodcast.com. And don't forget, if you want to send us any general feedback, show suggestions, uh, show topics, or guest ideas, please feel free to drop us an email at blacktherapistpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you. Be well.